Over the past few weeks, we've been joined by incredible women at the top of their game all across the travel industry. And as we wrap up March, which saw the launch of our most powerful women in travel list, Women Who Travel, a podcast from Connie Nast Traveler with myself and my co-host Lali Arakoglu. Hello. Are chatting with another incredibly impressive woman. And this week, we're joined uh, via Google Voice by Kate McHugh, America's first female ship captain. Named captain at Celebrity Cruises in 2015, she's been at the helm of the Celebrity Equinox, living on the ship alongside her precious cat, Bug, and setting people straight on what it means to be a ship captain. Since you're calling in from the ship right now, I'm curious where you are in the world. Uh, We are actually at anchor outside the beautiful port of Grand Cayman in the Caribbean. Ooh, what are you looking out at yeah. right now? <laughs> I actually put the drone up this morning so we could see um, the incredible blue water that we've got. And it's so clear that you can actually see the anchor chain stretched out um, across the bay there. We're looking at New Jersey, so that's uh, a lot better <laughs> than what we've got. So same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, New Jersey listeners. We love you. I'm curious just to start out because... Lale and I have like no experience with being cruise ship captains. What even is the career path to getting to where you are now? Uh, Well, that's interesting. I actually started at California Maritime Academy, uh, which is part of the Cal State University system. So my major was business administration with a minor in marine transportation. So like a regular four-year university, I was taking my business administration courses But in addition, I was also taking my seamanship courses like Celestial Navigation, Marlin Spike, Small Craft Operations. And rather than go on summer break from college every year, we would go on training cruises where we got the hands-on practical um, to navigate and maneuver vessels. So after the four years, I took my exams for my major, for my degree, my BSBA, and then at the same time, I took my license exams for with the U.S. Coast Guard so that I could graduate with a third mate unlimited license, which meant I could sail anything from a tugboat to a supertanker, everything in between. And then you basically start at the bottom as an apprentice officer, uh, and you work your way up. It's very much like the aviation industry, where um, pilots will put in flight hours and then take exams once they accrue so much time. We do the same at sea. We accrue so many sea days, and then we'll sit for exams in order to upgrade our license. And so... Did you grow up in a nautical family? Were you sailing on your sort of family vacations? Did you kind of like feel any connection with the ocean? Like how did you even end up deciding you were going to go on that path through college? Well, I was born in San Francisco, but we moved around a lot. My family, my dad was working for Bechtel, so we lived in Michigan. We lived in California. I mostly grew up in Augusta, Georgia. We moved to London when I was in college, Texas, and we ended up in Las Vegas. So not not really near the sea, and I don't have anyone besides my grandfather who was in the Navy and my uncle who were in the Navy, uh, but nobody else went to sea for a career. And I got interested in it because when I was 12 years old, my parents took my brother and me on our very first cruise. It was a four-day holiday over Thanksgiving uh, on the Premier Cruise Line's big red boat, the Atlantic. And I had such an incredible time that when we got off the ship and we were going to drive home and we were packing the car, I said to my dad, I want to be the cruise director and plan all the fun stuff on board because that's basically who I'd been hanging out with for the entire week. 
And my dad said, you can do anything you want in the world, including drive the thing. <laughs> and my dad had actually wanted to go to sea, but when he applied to Cal Maritime, this was after he came back from um, Ethiopia where he met my mom in the Peace Corps, uh, they told him he was too old. And so it was always at the back of my dad's brain, and he'd already done the legwork and where to go and what to study. So when I expressed that interest as a 12-year-old and then it was getting time to, to go you know, get ready for college, and I didn't know where to go or what to do. And my dad reminded me of that conversation, and he said, you know, California Maritime Academy is a gem of a school. Um, all my family was in California, and he said, every year you'll go on cruise. And I'm thinking about the cruise when I was 12 years old. What he actually meant was you stand in the pouring rain and you learn how to chip and paint for the first year <laughs> uh, and work your way up. But it was it was the best four years of my life at that school, and, uh, and it set the, the basis for my life and my career at sea and having a business administration degree to fall back on, especially when you're a captain, comes in really handy. So it, it all worked out. Having parents you met in the Peace Corps means that they probably instilled a love of travel in you pretty early on. Absolutely. The, you know, the, uh, the idea of travel, and I've just met a guest uh, actually yesterday. They have an eight-year-old daughter, and I met her on board as well. She's on her sixth cruise, and she's eight years old. And the parents were telling me, you know, they take her out of school, and, and school's very understanding. They give her the homework, but then they travel with her wherever and whenever they can. And that is the best education that you can give a child to open their eyes to the world by actually letting them experience it. I'm curious to go back to something you mentioned earlier, because you're talking about how it's, you know, like a ladder, a lot like the aviation industry. And I know we've talked to a lot of female pilots in the past um, and flight attendants who have talked about the kind of barriers to entry that exist for women to be at the top, especially when it comes to being a pilot, just because of the personal cost and time that goes into it. And I'm curious if you feel like the mm. same roadblocks exist for any minority in the cruise industry. Well, I think it really depends on the company that you keep. And I have been so fortunate from the time I started sailing. I've only sailed on international flagships. And the secret to my success, it took me a year and a half to figure this out. And I was actually standing on stage when we had an all-crew meeting, and I was looking out into the crew uh, of about a 1,000 crew members. And it dawned on me, looking out at them, if you take the Celebrity Equinox, for example, we have a crew of 1,243 coming from 72 different nationalities, and we're all a minority of some sort, whether it's race, religion, cultural background, sexual orientation, gender, whatever it is. And this puts us on a bit of a, play, a level playing field, and it's not something that we discuss. It's not, you know, something that we say, oh, you know, you're a woman, or oh, you know, whatever your religious background is. We, we just have this mutual respect for each other. And so me coming up through the ranks was never a big deal to the fellow crew members. Once I became a captain, the external focus and spotlight was actually, it was mind-blowing to me because I hadn't experienced that coming up. And the company that I keep with Celebrity Cruises, for example, when I came in at in 2015, the bridge team fleet-wide was 3% female. Today, across all of our ships in the fleet, it's 25%. And on the newest ship, the Edge, which I'll take over in September, uh, it's 30% crew, which is twice the average of any cruise line in the industry. And I think working for a company that focuses on, um, you know, closing that gender gap and giving the right opportunities to the right people is key. And this is why I am where I am today. I'm curious before, because I'm 
honestly, like the most questions I want to ask you are like about your day to day because like living on a cruise ship is mm. something that I have Pretty awesome. kind of experienced. I did semester at sea and so I lived on a ship for four months, but that's uh, nothing compared to the years that you have on my, my short time. But I want to ask you one more question because you were talking about celebrity and, and the emphasis that there's been put on gender diversity. And I'm I'm just curious, you know, your president and CEO, Lisa, is probably one of the most outspoken people in the travel industry about increasing diversity generally. So what has it been like working for and with like a really powerful female leader throughout your time at Celebrity? Well, Lisa is the reason why I am here today. I had the privilege of meeting her when I worked at Royal Caribbean, and she was over there as well. Um, And then when she came to Celebrity, she brought me with her, along with Captain Patrick Dahlgren, who is actually my boss in the office in charge of marine operations. And Captain Patrick has two daughters, um, and he has the exact same vision that Lisa does, and that is making sure that the opportunities are there for women. And they've worked so hard together to make sure that that happens. And it's a daily conversation. It's not something that they just said, okay, let's, let's make this average percentage. Um, it's something that they work on every day. In April, early April, uh, Captain Patrick and I are actually going to Sweden to the World Maritime University to discuss uh, empowering women in the maritime industry. And this is something that, uh, along with Lisa, that they've been working really hard on. And so it's incredible to have that support. Um, and, you know, as far as a company is, I'm not sure about other companies out there, but, you know, when can you pick up the, the phone and just call the CEO and, and have a conversation about whatever it's going on in your life? But she makes herself available to everyone, and she's one of the most down-to-earth people that I've ever met. And you wouldn't expect that from her platform. You know, you would expect to, uh, her to be in her own world, but she's so down-to-earth. And, uh, and I think that what she's done thus far is just the tip of the iceberg. So going back to you, can you walk us through like a day in the life of Kate? Woohoo! <laughs> My days are awesome. You know, I'm, I'm actually getting ready to go on vacation on the 30th of March, and I dread it because I love being on board so much. Uh, you know, they say find something um, that you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. And it's it's so true because being on board, um, sea days and port days are slightly different. On the port days, we wake up early uh, to take the pilot. I'm in, up an hour and 15 minutes before the pilot's on board. So if we have, you know, a 3 a.m. pilot time, then it's a pretty early morning. But I'm always on the bridge for arrivals and departures. The rest of the time, I think one of the expectations is that the captain lives on the bridge, but people are surprised when they see me around the ship because I actually have really qualified people that stay on the bridge all day long. They do the four hours on and eight hours off so that I can actually be around the ship with our guests and with our crew. So the rest of the day in port, uh, it's pretty quiet. Usually that's the day to catch up on um, admin work, you know, emails and paperwork, that kind of thing, because the guests are all ashore. On sea days, it's, uh, it's much more interesting for me because I get to have that interaction with the guests. So we have celebrity life activities that we do. Yesterday it was archery with the guests. We do bocce ball. Um, you know, we have the cocktail parties, of course, uh, photo opportunities, and just kind of being around with the guests. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I fill my day. And I always make sure that I get a nap no matter what, because if anything's going to happen, it's usually going to be about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm on call 24-7. So 
a nap is really, really important. So I'll, I'll make sure I get that in every day. When you say something's going to happen at two o'clock in the morning, what exactly do you mean as someone who um, hmm. is a bit of a nervous Nelly? It could be anything. You know, we have 24-7 medical care on board. So if, if a, a guest is sick um, and maybe needs medical attention that uh, the ship needs to get to the next port early or if we have changes in pilot times and we'll need to speed up or slow down, um, that's when the calls are going to come in, 2 o'clock. And so Murphy's Law. everything you've described so far, it just sounds like an absolute dream. What do you think people get wrong about your responsibilities? Hmm. Um, well, the, the fact that I would be on the bridge 24-7, I think that's one of the things. And also, I think we're changing the perception of captains in the fact that we are available much more. Uh, and, and I mean, we're out and about with the, the guests. From the feedback that I hear, you know, it's, 4,176 people on board the ship right now. And while it is an incredible responsibility, I don't solely think of that number and and focus on that. I have to see the whole picture of what's going on with the ship and what all these people are doing. I think think just the expectation that I'm on the bridge and quote-unquote driving the whole time. Um, I'm curious because you you mentioned going on vacation and not necessarily being so jazzed about it. But I'm curious what you miss about land and what you really don't miss about like having a a home on land. Um, You know what? I think there are way more things that I miss about the ship. Um, You know, my family is back home in Vegas. They're actually my parents are 300 steps around the corner. My cousin, who also is, um, works on cruise ships, is a 300 steps in the opposite direction. So my family is there, but at the same time, my family gets to come and sail with me. Uh, for example, last week, my husband was sailing on board, uh, which is a lot of fun because he is a complete diva when he comes on board. <laughs> he, he walks around and tells people that he's the captain's wife, or he'll ask people, do you know who I am? You know, he's kidding, but uh, people are like, no, we don't care who you are. <laughs> so it, it's nice to have the, the family come sail, but at the same time, it, it can be a bit exhausting, uh, especially when you've got a diva as a husband. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, th- I would say the number one thing that I would miss from home is the family, but then at the same time, they get to come sail with me. What I miss about the ship is the routine the food, because I don't cook. So when I go home and if my husband's not there, uh, it's heading over to mom and dad's for breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and dinner. It took me 35 years to figure out the wonder that is a duvet cover. You know, <laughs> when I'm on board the ship, someone makes my bed. When I go home, thank God I have a duvet cover because I pull it up to the chin, tuck and roll, and miraculously the bed is made. But And I miss, I miss the people most of all. Um, here, you know, we always have crew that are changing every time we get into port um, for a turnover. And we have crew normally between 60 and 100 that are leaving and another 60 and 100 that are coming back. You never have the same group of people on board, but they are family because the reality is that they will spend more time with the people on board the ship than they do with their loved ones, their friends, their family back home. So we are a tight-knit family. We look after each other. We respect each other. And um, it's really great to be around, especially during the holidays, because you see how 
every culture celebrates differently. Uh, you know, December is an incredible month to be on board, and I've actually asked my reliever, Captain Dimitri, if he wouldn't mind if I was on board for the summertime and the holidays so that he can be back in Greece, but uh, that way I get to spend the holidays with my quote-unquote extended family here. Out of interest, how many days of the year are you spent at sea? We do three months on, three months off as captains. And, you know, what have been the challenges? You know, you said that you're married, you know, you have a lot of family back on land, so to speak. What have been the challenges of of juggling sort of these double lives almost? Well, this is actually my 23rd year at sea. So it's this is my normal. Um, if I had to spend 12 months a year at home with my loved ones, oh boy. <laughs> I, 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 love, I love them to death, but I say that the secret to a happy marriage is 12 time zones um, because that is what my husband and I are used to. Um, it was great when I was sailing in Australia and he was in the Caribbean. It was 12 time zones between. So at 8 p.m., I would get a recap of his day because it was 8 a.m. my time and then vice versa. And Skype and Messenger and social media have made life and connections so much easier. I mean, I remember when I first started sailing and we would get to a port, there would be a mad dash from crew members to the nearest bank of payphones that was located on the pier. And everyone would line up and you would get your 20 minutes on the phone and then someone was banging on the glass, your time's up. Now I can just pick up my phone We have Wi-Fi on board. I can call my husband or my parents. I speak to my parents every single day, and I physically see them on the phone. Um, So it's made the world a much smaller place and much easier. Uh, And I think that's one of the advantages in actually uh, getting women interested in going to sea because we can still have that attachment. Even though it's not physical, um, you still can get that uh, interaction every day. I'm curious, you know, you, you brought up social media. You have a lot of Instagram followers and so does your cat. Um, but I'm curious how you feel like Instagram has influenced how you share your job or people interact with the idea of what you do. Right. Basically, it's it's great to come in at the beginning. Um, when I first started as captain, I didn't even know what Instagram was. But I figured out pretty quickly into it that I can give a glimpse into this life that you wouldn't expect. And um, I have this great ability to, to go behind the scenes and, and show people because if you can see it, you can be it. And I think that's one of the things um, for a lot of women, there may be the perception or the stereotype of a woman captain. And I just want to smash that because basically there are no rules. You can do whatever you want to do. You can be whichever captain you want to be. I had two female role models, Captain Liz and Captain Karen with Royal Caribbean, uh, as they were the first two female captains in the industry. However, I never had the opportunity to work with them. So I wasn't sure you know, how I was supposed to be when I became a captain. And I think social media actually let me figure that out and helped me because I could see what people were interested in getting a glimpse of. Uh, And I'm able to do that with, for example, Instagram. And you had a post that went pretty viral not too long ago, from what I recall, with I think it was a male passenger and you tried to get him to guess what your role was? Ah, that we were in St. Martin, and he was one of the gentlemen that works on the beach. 
yeah, that was pretty fun. <laughs> you can actually read about that in a story that, that's up on our website. And I got a real, real kick out of it. But we'll drop the, the Instagram in the show notes so you guys can check it out. So you're going on vacation. How has dropping in and out of places, because I think that, you know, the cruise culture is, okay, we're spending a day here, maybe two days here, and then we're on to the next place. How has that pace changed the way you travel in your free time? Um, well, it taught me, uh, for example, one of the, the things that I always do if I travel to someplace new, if they have the red double-decker bus, I'll hop on, I'll get a lay of the land. Because when we've been in port, you know, you get that quick taste of a place. And to be able to get on one of these buses and get kind of a lay of the land in a quick time, uh, it gives you an idea of what, if you go back, if you want to spend more time in a particular area doing a particular thing, uh, and it gives you that opportunity. So it's taught me how to kind of use my resources to the best of my ability. And also, I have something called my marble mission, um, where I leave a marble behind in interesting places around the world. And this is something that pushes me to go outside of my comfort zone. And a lot of times, for example, when we were in Cochin, India, and I was sailing with my husband, I was a guest on on his ship. And he said, are you going to go out today in India? I said, yeah. He said, well, I can't go with you. You're going to have to go by yourself. Are you still going to go out? I said, absolutely. I have this marble that I have to put out. Um, And so it pushes the boundaries and gets me into areas that maybe I I wouldn't normally have thought about. Um, But because the cruise industry, you know, you go to a port, you visit it pretty quickly. Um, It gives you a taste of it, and I've gone back to many different places. Venice was my very favorite city of all time, and I I got the opportunity to go there and have an overnight on the ships before I ever went and spent time uh, after the fact. So this gives you that nice taste. And just to clarify, because I don't think we talked about this earlier, your husband is also a ship captain then? Oh, no, you can't have two ship captains. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, wait <laughs> would, what, what does fun. he do then? He's actually a chief engineer. Now he's a fleet chief engineer with another cruise line. Okay, but you're, you're like a cruise power couple then? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, you were talking about places that you've been back to and Venice being a top one that you've loved. Are there any other cities that you feel like you might not have traveled to in the first place, but because you stopped to port there, you were like, I have to come back here? Well, I actually ended up living in Maui because when I was a cadet, the ship stopped and we tendered into Maui. Uh, And I remember getting off and putting my feet on land and saying, I'm going to move back here from the moment I stepped onto Maui. And uh, I graduated from college, and that's the first thing that I did is I I went back to Maui. I lived on my cousin's couch, and we all worked on a catamaran that took passengers out to Molokini for snorkeling. Um, But I never would have been there if it wasn't for the ship. And uh, and it was incredible. I was only there for six months, and then I figured out I I had to go make a a living somehow else. But... uh, yeah, that was one of the places that I, I just instantly knew, um, and I got that opportunity because I was on a ship. I'm interested to know because cruising is, for the most part, it's families and it's groups traveling together who go off to do the excursions off the ship. There's rarely sort of solo travelers, but you were experiencing it 
alone. Did you, at the beginning, did you find it hard to gear yourself up to go out and explore these places or were you very gung-ho from the start? You know what's so great is our guests, and I don't know if it's because the captain's tagging along on an excursion or whatever, but I get adopted every time I go out, um, whether I want to or not. Uh, people are really, really nice about including me in their groups. And you'd be surprised. We have yesterday, actually, I met three individual women who were sailing by themselves this cruise. Uh, they just wanted a break. Work is really, really hectic, and they wanted to get away from everything. They have, um, you know, pretty intense jobs um, where they have people at their face all the time, and they just wanted a break. And so they've actually piled up together, and uh, and they, they meet up for dinners every night. So you really, you can pick and choose, you know, what you want out of the vacation, but I think a lot of them walk away with Friends for life, which is really, really cool. And for me personally, I love when I get to meet the people on, on the shore excursions. And I keep in contact with them. You know, if, we, if I go scuba diving and I've got videos of, of somebody that we went scuba diving with, we'll exchange those videos uh, back and forth. And then I can keep in contact with them further down the road. So when they come back to sail, um, you know, we'll, maybe we'll go out diving again or we'll reconnect that way, which is great. You mentioned moving to the Celebrity Edge in September, which is the newest ship uh, that the Celebrity is is launching with. I'm curious what you're most excited about to take on with the Edge. Well, um, I was privileged to be on her inaugural as well as the naming ceremony last December. And she is the most stunning ship I've ever seen. Um, The way I can explain her is she's like a boutique hotel meets a museum. I could walk around for days and days uh, just looking at her interior. What I'm most excited about, I think the itineraries are incredible. She's doing the Mediterranean in the summer and then the Caribbean in the winter. So I'm pretty excited about that because I've been in the Caribbean now for the last four years. So I'm looking forward to going over to Europe. She has incredible entertainment, which I'm pretty excited about. And then she's got a multitude of restaurants that our other vessels don't have yet. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that too. It's like you've got this massive new apartment. (laughs) I haven't actually seen the captain's cabin, but I do hear that it has the infinite balcony. And the infinite balcony is that uh, it's a window that, you know, goes down and it creates the balcony space, but doesn't take up the traditional space that a balcony does. So I've never had a balcony in my cabin, which I'm pretty excited about as well. But I have to keep an eye on the cat. She might get kind of keen on that. Oh, yeah. Bug takes priority. Um, yep. You know, you, you, you talked a lot earlier about the amazing strides that celebrity and the cruise industry has sort of made in terms of diversity and, and gender equality. And there's been a lot of emphasis of women rising to the top of the ranks. But I was wondering if you feel like that has been carried down into the rest of the ship staff. Yes, uh, and that's where, you know, the, the number of 30% on the Celebrity Edge being the flagship that we have now, and it's 30% female crew, which traditionally it's been 10 to 15%. So it's absolutely corresponding to the remainder of the crew on board the ships. And we actually have, um, for example, we have a female deck um, sailor, on board our ships now, and this has been a role that, I I mean, this is the first time that we've ever had this in 
the history of our company. And uh, I think that's more impressive, honestly, than a female captain because, you know, there, it, there's the physical work that's involved as well as the mental, and uh, I give her big kudos. Of course she can do it, um, and we make sure that she's supported all the way, but it's, it's pretty exciting for us. Um, can you walk us through what the responsibilities of a deck sailor are? Yep, the sailors are, are in charge of the maintenance, so the overall maintenance of the vessel, which is the external structure. So it's the chipping, it's the painting, it's hanging from bosun's ladders and doing maintenance uh, around the vessel. And then just as we wrap up, you know, when you were talking about the edge, all ships are she's. And I'm just curious what you think about the like gendered nature of all cruise ships being she's and and how ingrained that is in how everyone, captains or otherwise, talk about cruising. Well, it is an old tradition, obviously, but there's there's so many different traditions associated, you know, kind of along the same lines. For example, the captain is referred to as the old man. I am not obviously the old man, but I don't mind being called the old lady. Um, the only thing is when, when people want to, or they ask me, you know, the captain is the master of the ship, so would I be the mistress? No, absolutely not. But, you know, the, the idea of the, the, the ship being referred to as she, this morning when we were coming into Grand Cayman, the pilot was on uh, the tender, and he was talking to another vessel, and he kept referring to the celebrity equinox as he. Um, and I actually found that a bit uh, kind of, it was a bit annoying to me because I always refer to the ships as she as well. It's just one of those things that I'm I'm used to, and I like the tradition. Um, there's a, a certain respect, I think, that all ships um, should have, and, and when people refer to her as a she, that respect goes across all, all the lines, and I think that's, I, I really like it, actually. Amazing. Um, so I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I have to confess that I've never been on a cruise. And there are lots of people out there who um, have never been on a cruise and don't know if it would be for them and probably have a bunch of sort of preconceived notions of what the cruise experience is. And obviously there is a mm -hmm. massive range of options and different types of ships and experiences that go with it. What's your pitch to someone who's wary of cruising, whether it be they just don't think it's for them or they're scared of getting seasick or they're scared of getting trapped on a boat <laughs> for two weeks? Um, what's your pitch? There's something for everyone. Uh, whether you're somebody that just wants to come and relax, sit by the pool, go to the beach, um, or if you're someone who's a bit more adventurous and wants to uh, experience the places, whether it's the food or the culture of the ports that we go to, we offer something for everyone. And every day we put out what we call the Celebrity Today, which gives you an idea of the activities and the things that are going on the ship. Uh, the following day we, all, we have a paper version of it, but we also have the app on board so people can plan their events in advance, if you are into good food and incredible wine selections um, and seeing and tasting a bit of the world that you wouldn't have the opportunity to do in one go, because when you come on a ship, 
you unpack once, and you can visit all of these places. And there's no stress, there's no muss, there's no fuss. As far as the comfort on board, it's second to none. Um, you know, of course, we are a ship. We're not a hotel, but we also have stabilizers. We have um, our itinerary sail in the most beautiful places on Earth, seven continents, and they're, they're very comfortable. So that would be my, my pitch. I'd say, you know, if you've never tried it, it's definitely worth a go. And what do you have to lose? My tack on to the end of that is that I know you're talking about napping, but I have never been able to fall asleep faster and more deeply than on a, than on a cruise ship. So if, oh, you're, yeah. if anyone's ever worried about that, oh my gosh, it's a dream. Well, Kate, we've been talking about your Instagram. So where can people listening keep up with what you are doing on the internet? I am on Instagram at Captain Kate McHugh. And of course, uh, if you want to see a naked cat's life at sea, my cat Bug Naked is at Bug Naked also on Instagram. Amazing. Well, I'm at Oh Hey There Mare. And I'm at Lale Hannah. Thank you so much, Kate, for joining us. And you can read more about female ship captains and Kate and Lisa, her boss, uh, on Sea and Traveler, also by just visiting womenwhotravel.com. We'll talk to you next week.